Blog Talk Radio. Coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting, the International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, ask questions, and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now, Taz and Paula. Well, hello, everyone out there. Uh, We have a wonderful guest, as we normally do. Our guest, Karen L. Garvey, is a speaker, author, intuitive, and a personal and professional coach. After obtaining her MBA, Karen acquired extensive business and writing experience, authoring, co-authoring many articles and books. She presently addresses audiences and appears in the media about reaching success, offering practical guidance for discovering one's path to fulfillment. You are now listening to the Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. Paula, having Karen Garvey with us today is a burst of joy to view her life. For in just one moment, her life was totally all altered, and she was given a new birth. It all began for her on that 9-11 day. Everything shifted with her, within her entirely. And because of the day, she received in the moment information that something had occurred that was huge. And her experience of receiving was not through any earthly means. Karen was exposed to new ways of receiving knowledge directly from the heavens. Puzzled, of course, by what had happened to her and skeptical about psychic abilities, Karen was brought forth on a whole new path to serve humanity. Paula, isn't it amazing how we are awakened into this universe to support others, to be a coach with this kind of detail? Um, The universe really sometimes hits us from the rear when we're not even looking to uh, put us forward to our uh, life person. Purpose. Now, Karen, you really, uh, when you were growing up as a little girl, you didn't really want to be an intuitive. No, um, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Not in the least. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you were, uh, you could tell us a little bit about your family life before um, you actually received your MBA, but it was not a spiritual family, you said. No, that's exactly that's exactly right. Um, you know, we had our perfunctory course of religion um, that was pretty much expected during the years I grew up, but nothing um, nothing spiritual about it. I mean, you can practice religion and not have any spirituality connected to it, and I think that's not uncommon. Um, but so inside my household, anything that wasn't scientifically proven or if it didn't have credentials or academic beliefs behind it, it was not only not encouraged, but it was also discouraged. 
So we were pretty much taught that we were finite and that, you know, when you die, you die. There's no eternal existence. Uh, and it was a kind of dismal portrayal of our reality. Uh, and, and academic achievement for myself and my siblings was very much encouraged, and that's the route that I took. I did well in school, therefore I was, um, I was validated in my family. Wow. And, that, and you became, um, before 9-11, you were actually a business consultant? Yes, I, um, I, have, I did get my MBA, uh, and I did well in business, and I was in a lot of different uh, areas of business, some that might seem actually counterintuitive right now, like um, the defense industry I worked in for a long time, and I spent some time in commercial lending. Uh, but ultimately, I did become an independent business consultant, and I, and I was operating as such in the late 90s. Uh, and one of the things that I would do was I would go for a run a few mornings a week before I began. Um, and on the morning of 9-11, that's what I did. And when I got back to my home, I was standing in the driveway. And as I was standing in the driveway, you know, pressing the keys to get the garage door open, um, I experienced what was happening at the World Trade Center as it was unfolding. Uh, but I didn't have a frame of reference for what was going on in my head or what the images were that I, were, that I was getting. So I just admonished myself for having, like, creepy thoughts. Um, but within 10 seconds, I was in the house. Someone was asking me to put the television on. They, were, they called me on the phone. And at the moment I looked at the TV, the broadcaster was making suppositions about the first plane being off target. Um, but I knew immediately that what I had experienced in the driveway a few moments earlier was more accurate than his version of what he was believing what was unfolding. So I, I was able to kind of link back into however I got this body of knowledge and know that I knew that this event was bigger than just a plane getting off target. I knew it was the beginning. I knew that it had been planned. Um, and I live, I do live in New York, but I'm about an hour from Manhattan, so naturally there's no way that I had any physical references or any physical evidence of what was occurring. Hmm. What was it really like to be popped into awakening in that manner? It's one of the interesting things about it is that if I had gone a slower path of just small, tiny awakenings and discoveries, I don't know that I could have had that whole feeling of believing that we are eternal. And um, because I, I was so data-oriented and I was so much processing things from my left brain um, mathematically and so on, that's what I did for a living. Um, so to just have a hint of the possibility that there's something more going on than what we see and feel and hear. It, I don't know that it could have gone through to me if it weren't so thoroughly convincing in a moment. So for me, it, was, it felt very grand. Um, and the thing about it is that for anybody who was tuned in that day or listened to the aftermath, you didn't have to live in New York to be profoundly affected by what happened on that day. And being a New Yorker made the process even more intimate because everybody knew somebody and there was always something for us to do. There was a lot to be done after, um, after that Tuesday for myself personally. Uh, but in, in the midst of that, 
the fact that I had experienced my consciousness being present there when my body was somewhere else physically gave me a very strange ray of hope. So the, the consequence of that day as it was unfolding so tragically for everyone else, at least I had this glimmer of there being some kind of value or meaning in what was going on. So it made it, I couldn't really communicate it to many people because I had no idea how to frame this or how to articulate what I was what I was going through, but I just felt like on that day I knew that there was something grander than the way we perceive reality on Earth. Well, you it's said you, got so involved in being, you were so involved in being busy after 9-11. Did you put that up on the shelf for a little bit before you started working with what had just happened to you? Yes, I did. And, you know, we we do have a lot of ways that we judge reality and our participation in it. And so, you know, rolling up my sleeves and helping people and getting involved and redirecting our course and explaining the the um, occurrences to our own kids and other people's children and things like that, it was consuming. And also still coming up that pathway of using intellect to carve out my success route, I, I didn't have a way to articulate to other people what I had experienced. I, you know, I, I wasn't one that knew how. I didn't even have a frame of reference for the language to use. I didn't even use the word consciousness or thought energy or we are all connected. I didn't have any canvas of that in my vocabulary. So I did kind of keep it to myself except within my family um, and went about normal life with just that, like I said, that hint of a ray of hopefulness that there was more to the world than we might have come to, um, come to believe. You know, it's amazing with, um, I, I always look at the sequence of manner that we are delivered into a situation like that. And, you know, from, from you having such a, um, a steady uh, path of, of, um, of delivery with your work to begin with and then being thrusted into this direction, I, you know, they, they say that we are, we are directed on a path and it kind of opens as we go. And so the information or the way that you proceeded even with the job that you had somehow helped you in, in, in helping you deliver this aspect of it. And have you looked at that as Very well? much so. Very much so. Um, I, I, I know there are many people that they'll have their first awakening um, in conjunction with other people who have already kind of gotten on that spiritual path of discovery and they've already become more soulful. So they have a support network of people to help them um, identify and interpret the things that they're experiencing. Um, without that, for me, it was, it was a very stumbling journey because um, a few years, two and a half years after 9-11, I started to get simultaneous information about things that were happening all over the world with 100% accuracy. So I really was kind of just thrown into it. Then it became a way of life for me. Uh, but I, without someone to talk to and to do this in kind of isolation and figure it out myself, I, I misinterpreted a lot of things. I was encouraged, then discouraged, then encouraged, and then discouraged. 
And so it was only years later after I had really figured out how to allow my conscious energy to shift away from seeing things only through the lens of being human and allow myself to connect to the the river of universal knowledge, if you will, Uh, then I could go back in the previous years of my life and make sense out of the things that happened and in the sequence in which they happened. And not even just events from 9-11 on, but things back from childhood or something that happened in my teens or in my 30s. So it is yeah. interesting that, that hindsight gives you a much broader vision of how the soul is here to discover things. Even if you are living in, a, in what seems like a completely asleep state, you're making discoveries <laughs> along the way. You're just not processing them consciously in the moment. Yes. Well, it's like you had your own toolbox already because you were doing um, consulting. Um, you were able to you know, speak in front of groups. I mean, that's all little tools that were given to you before you got to this point. So when did you start using your ability with personal coaching or professional coaching? I spent um, I spent a couple of years making sure that I dedicated a good portion of my day toward understanding how to open up this conduit with great accuracy. So I kind of tried to take as scientific of an approach to it as possible because I felt that if I was getting information of value for me and I was applying it, that was great. But for me to come out and suggest it to anyone else or to try to provide benefit to someone else, I had to have some relative assuredness that this information was accurate and could be of value. Um, So what was more important even than the images and the sites and the, um, the intersections among people that I was getting in the events was the fact that I was getting like a narrative of, I would have to say, the meaning of life. Why are we here? How do we transform? How do we grow? What is the purpose of us being here together? Um, What does being interconnected mean? Um, And as I'm getting all of this narration and I'm applying the narration to my own journey, all of a sudden my day-to-day life makes sense in a way that never made sense before. And I was able to explain happenings from childhood, too, that didn't make sense. So as I was becoming more aware of the way that energies affect our reality and how much power we have in our own journey, I was becoming happier. You know, in in my childhood, not having access to kind of a spiritual base was difficult in hindsight, but I also had a very difficult childhood in other ways. So I didn't come into adulthood just knowing how to be happy, but these truths and this wisdom that was coming through me were actually teaching me how to be happy. And I didn't want to keep that to myself. I wanted to be able to have other people learn the techniques to get back to what they were born to be, which was to be abundant in love and joy and, and even in material abundance. Um, so it was when I had thousands of pieces of physical evidence of the accuracy of what was coming through my conduit that I felt encouraged to go out and start to share ideas with other people. So, um, and it took courage. I didn't want people to think I was nuts, honestly. Yeah, you know, exactly. it took a lot of courage to say, 
that the thing that I was so skeptical about in the past is now what I'm doing for a living. Does that sound hypocritical? Well, it's not if you now know a new truth. <laughs> yeah, well, I came from the same type of family, and um, but I surrounded myself with people, as an adult with people that supported me when things started coming through. So I can see how you, you felt maybe like you were on an, an island all by yourself. Yes. Yes, well put. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but you know, the, I was sharing with a friend and um, with family and with my husband, and they believed in me. They were all, you know, they were, most of the people I knew were attorneys and doctors and accountants. So if they were believing in me and they were getting value from the content, that was that was pretty encouraging. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have you written. Think? You have oh. written. 54 books, and I'm going, I don't know how anyone can (laughs) do that. But um, the latest book you have is Begin Here. And what was the trigger or stimulator that brought this to the forefront for you? Uh, Begin Here was, um, what I do now is I'll I'll say that I co-create the book, so the content is, you know, mostly coming from sources that are non-physical, the ones that I rely on for a lot of the information that I bring forth. Um, and, but the premise is that when you begin the book, you will love yourself to a certain extent, and by the time that you finish the book, you'll love yourself more. And what I have come to discover through this is that uh, self-love really is the foundation for all successes, whatever you define as your own personal success, and it can be anything. We don't have to qualify it or judge it, but whatever you deem as being successful, in order to achieve that success, it's important that you love yourself. And so it is the foundation for a good life. So this book helps you get back to that. Life has a way of stripping that self-love away. It has a way of telling you that you're not enough, or to set you up to struggle, to set you up to believe that life is very, very, very difficult and very hard. And so Begin Here helps you to get back to the fact that life can be fun and it can be less complicated than we dictate or narrate to people it's supposed to be. Um, And it also gets you back to the core of the essence of you. How wonderful are you? You don't have to be... Uh, you don't have to be what other people want you to be. You don't have to be what other people expect. You want to just find out who you really are. When you tap into that, you're going to feel passion that you might not have ever felt before. Wow, so it's I mean, like going in a garden. It's like going in a garden and looking at all the array of flowers and plants that are out there and falling in love with aspects that would really make your heart sing. Yes, that's a very beautiful analogy. Yes, <clears throat> yes. No, I, you know, I, I like say, the richness of nature. Just if it does nothing else for someone, it helps them understand the, the the tremendous variety that's out there. When you see the variety in our planet, then it helps you to understand the variety of souls that are walking on the planet. So I would say. The majority of people um, out there have trouble with self-love. Where do you suggest that they start? 
I have. I have I, I give whole weekends, like three or four day weekends, to help people remove the masks and layers that have put, been put on them or placed on them by their specific upbringing. But the best place to start is to really begin to question um, what do you have on your success checklist? And when you're looking at the things that you write that you want to achieve or that you already have achieved, um, try to ask yourself the question, are these things on the list to satisfy somebody else or are they on the list because it's what I truly want for myself? And you bring up a lot of different aspects of reviewing your past when you do this. So, for example, if your idea of success is driving a particular model of a car or living in a particular neighborhood or a particular house style or going to a certain college, um, you're setting yourself up to believe that if you don't hit those milestones, then you are less than. But the reason it's on your list to begin with is because it was suggested to you that what deems you worthy is to have those things on your success checklist. So the objective here is not to, you know, spit out onto that list what other people say make you a worthy person, but to decide for yourself what makes you feel like you are whole and happy and feeling joy and freedom in your day-to-day life. So if success for you is being able to have uh, a couple of hours every few days to to paint, um, then maybe the world isn't suggesting that six hours of painting during the work week is going to be something that's going to make you worthy in their eyes. But if, if, if it feels right for you, then you start to make the suggestion on your success checklist that this is what you want to achieve. And when you more and more replace the expectations of others of what you should be doing with listening to your inner God and your inner heart and your inner voice with what you want to do and what you want to achieve, you begin to make that shift and you begin to carve out a comprehension that you have the right to meet the things on your chosen list. And with with that comes, you start to say, you know what, I don't want to do this in the moment. I, I really just wanted to run home and go paint for a couple of hours. But it helps you to start finding your voice as well, that you can talk about things and not feel guilty about wanting to have your life the way you would like it to be. It's not about foregoing responsibility. It's about understanding that on our earth we teach people to be hyper-responsible and to say that pleasure and pain and, and personal personality don't really have a place in our reality. And that's not necessarily true. So give yourself permission to let you and your passions and your interests start to become a part of your space and a part of your schedule. I know, speaking from a personal, <laughs> I do feel guilty when I'm doing something I really enjoy because I know there's all these other things I should need to be doing. So guilt does come into my <laughs> thought process. Yeah, sometimes. so you understand it. Yeah. You do understand it. And it's interesting, so, when you give yourself that that time, you find yourself being more fulfilled. And from that place of fulfillment, you have more abundance to be able to contribute to other people because you don't feel resentful about the way you're using your time for them instead. 
So it actually helps you to be more connected to people rather than less connected to people. It's interesting. I kind of feel like I head into the total universe. It's like I lose time when I go into places like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, wow. It's really exciting to be there. Oh, yes. Definitely. Definitely. And one of the great things about being a child is that it, you, you have the freedom to do that. And that's why overscheduling isn't good at any age. If you take that freedom away from a child, they're not able to you know, live in their imaginative play and create reality through their, their thought, their thought energy and their imagining and their envisioning. And it's just as important to do it as an adult as, as it is when you're a kid. That's how we create our realities, through thoughts first. When your psychic energy kicked in, did you find yourself more into that area of of creating instead of scheduling? Yes, I found that um, time started, <laughs> time as we understand it didn't make as much sense to me as it used to. And I don't mean theoretically it didn't make as much sense. I mean literally. I found that my relationship with the clock has changed and my relationship with the calendar has changed. And I think that's sometimes a glimpse into you becoming more of a soul and less of a human because as a soul there's no such thing as time. And so when you start to realize that I use the calendar as, you know, as a ledger more than anything else now, because I live in a functioning world that honors, you know, um, the passage of time. But I don't identify with it the way that I used to, which is part of, I think, the byproduct of becoming more soulful and becoming less indoctrinated into human form. And it feels better. So was it hard for you to have your foot in those two different worlds at the beginning, trying to uh, adjust from... Like from the yes. left brain to the right. Yes. Um, what I what I did find in the first couple of years, especially the first six months, I would say, is that um, if you've ever seen the movie Groundhog Day or um, Fifty First Dates, uh, it was like I started over again every day because I would forget how to open up and I would forget how to reach these non-physical sources and there's such a state of bliss that you achieve when you let go of the human construct so I was eager for the bliss and I was eager for you know this universal wisdom that was coming through but when I got back settled into thinking only like a human um, I felt myself being really really unhappy more unhappy than I was before any of this ever happened because now I had a comparison. I could compare how I could feel to something that was better than how I used to feel. So it was difficult living with one foot in each world. I know it's <laughs> like the fairy tale Peter Pan. He, he yeah. wants to have Never Neverland. Yeah. So I, I, identif- yeah. I identify to that fairy tale. Yes. Yes, most definitely. Yeah, well, and, so and how do you, when you give classes, how do you teach people actually how to connect to the universal truth? 
Yes, I do. I teach intuition development classes. Uh, I have a lot of private different classes that meet monthly, and intuition development is always a part of it. Uh, but also, in addition to that, um, I help people to learn how to remove the masks and layers that are put on us by our earth life. You know, people aren't necessarily malicious in the things that they say or they do to us. Sometimes there may be some malintent, but for the most part, it's just ignorance in the things that we teach our children, and those children become adults, and those adults become separated from their inner happiness or their inner guidance. So we do a lot of different things. And in addition, one thing that helps to validate the process for people is that because I do live as an intuitive now, I can help them have information about their own journey or their own blocks and show them where they came from, but also get guidance in how they can overcome them, move past them, blast them, and get to more of it where it is they would like to be personally. So that tool, in, compa- in, in conjunction with accessing universal truth, helps people to become more whole, and it starts to help them become more awake and more enlightened and start to experience more day-to-day happiness. You know, Karen, so it's you really do- exciting because what happens is, is that um, I look at your website and you have, well, it's just... brimming full of all kinds of wonderful things for people to connect with. And even you have some great articles. And just talking about intuition, you have an article there that says, pause and reboot your intuition. That article is incredible. Oh, thank you. Oh, I appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. And so... You know, for someone to be able to um, skip skip through the day and realize that there's going to be a part of the day that they can connect with themselves on a higher level, um, that's a wonderful way to get lots of joy into your body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So when you do personal sessions with people, um, can you see the blocks before they do? Do you use your intuition it's, um, that the, way? The, yeah, the process, it's you know, infinite the number of places that we can go. But in most cases, when someone has an appointment with me, they have you know, something that's pressing on their mind. You know, sometimes people will see me just for the joy of finding what their guides have to say. Uh, but for the most part, they have something pressing. And so what happens is as they, you know, ask a question, um, I'll get answers and I'll be shown things. I often am shown movies or I'm shown a past life or I'm shown one of their dreams, a nocturnal dream that they had, or I'll be shown something from their childhood. But all of it is brought through with, like, kindness and with love. It's never brought through with fear. Um, and it, it, one of the interesting parts about it is that it leaves people feeling empowered rather than feeling like they are powerless or helpless. Um, and so what it is is it helps them to shift something that might be keeping them on the same course if they're really interested on being on a different path instead. And what we always look at is we're, we're shifting something, either what we're thinking, what we're feeling, what we're believing, or the actions that we take based on what we're thinking and feeling and believing. And so it's actually, you know, it's 
kind of interesting to comprehend that with shifting one of those four, you really are shifting your trajectory. And everyone's trajectory can get better. And I think that's the beauty of it is that there's no absolute that what happened yesterday or 10 years from now is a projection of what your future will look like. You're in the power seat in every moment, and you can alter it by changing your perception. I think that's part of the magnificence of it is to to give people that feeling back that they have some control on what happens with their journey regardless of anything that happened in the past. Hmm. And when somebody comes across... um with a problem, sometimes uh, the problem comes into your life to show you something. So do you sh- talk to people about uh, something that might be in their life and it came to them as a gift? Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting. I like the way that you said that it comes in to show them something. That's nice, soft language, and I really like that. Um, I find some people say that things happen to teach you a lesson. And when you hear to teach you a lesson, it sounds as though you're already flawed. You already are less than. But so I always say that everything that happens around you and to you and with you, it's an opportunity for discovery. And when you look at the event or the happening or your, your subsequent reactions, and you look for the opportunity of what you can discover from it, you can pretty much start the, pro- the process of dissolving the challenge and getting the awakening that it delivered to you. So the way that you phrased that was wonderful. And here's a, something really funny, Taz and Paula. This is something I never knew was possible. But as I kept peeling off those masks and layers and I started to you know, recall my like soulful journey, um, I started to have less challenges in my life. They really, really got reduced on every plane, whether it was uh, financial troubles, health issues, um, mechanical problems. They started to dissolve. And, I, and again, I look back in hindsight and I recognize now that the reason that there are so few now is because they're not bringing me packages for discovery anymore. I'm making awakenings with intention on a day-to-day basis by choice. And the packages that are delivered to me for an awakening now are happy packages, which is fantastic. Oh. That's the way we would all like to grow. Oh, I like <laughs> that, yes. <laughs> yeah. Bring me. Yes. <laughs> Bring well, me happy packages. Well, you know, uh, in that article as well, you say, so let's exercise. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Exercising and um, maybe practicing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yes, I know that. You know, we, we, we'd like to find a magic elixir if we're in a state of pain, uh, but most things, they take a little bit of effort and concentration. And, you know, if, if you want to achieve something, if it were in athletics or if it were in the area of visual arts or something like that, you are going to practice a lot. And you're, you're awakening new muscles and you're getting new muscle memory when you practice that sport or that, that technique. And it's the same with happiness and it's the same with intuition. If it makes you happy to do it and you see the results quickly, um, then you're going to want to practice. Practice will become not a chore but a joy. And then you're changing your reality by committing to exercising it. 
And have you had a lot of feedback on your last book? Uh, yeah, I do. As a matter of fact, I think we just finished our, I think I'm sold out again. <laughs> That's feedback. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's your answer. <laughs> oh, okay. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, we'll be getting another shipment in um, in September, but uh, it, is a, it is a pretty good seller because I guess people are sharing by word of mouth that it had an impact on the way that they see themselves and, the, and what they believe is possible. And it's a book that you can't share. You want your own copy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of hard to go back and say, could you give me begin here, back again? <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> oh, wow. What, what are some of the ways that we can amplify our intuition? Uh, I think the first thing, me having come from such a – such a background of skepticism, I think the first thing to do is to allow yourself to suspend doubt at least temporarily. It's funny because I say if I get people to suspend doubt temporarily, the validation comes through and then the temporary becomes permanent. So, But they can bite <laughs> into suspending doubt temporarily. Uh, but if you suspend doubt about the interconnectedness of us all and the fact that we have souls that are non-physical, that are guiding us and wanting our best happiness, um, and that our intention in being here is to evolve as an individual and as a society, if you suspend doubt that any of that is not true, that's one of the first platforms for being a witness to our interconnectedness and our own intuitive ability. But there are certain things you can do that are a little bit more direct than that. Um, and one thing I ask people to do right away is to, in that state of believing in the possibility, ask a question um, and pose that question to any non-physical source that you feel comfortable with. It could be your higher self or the universe in general or someone that you love who has passed away and expect that you'll get an answer to that question. And just the way that you have already suspended doubt, you also want to make yourself open to receiving the answer and understand that that answer can come through any way, through a sign, a license plate, a lyric of a song, a dream, a good idea that pops in your head. And if you do this on a regular basis, ask the question and then receive the answer. If you do this on a regular basis, that alone is going to really um, bring your intuition into a whole other level. Um, it's also a good idea to record those questions and answers, jot them down in a journal. Um, and our brains, as much as we hate to say it, they're a little bit like putting water in a sieve. And even though we think we're going to recall something, we don't remember as much as we think we will. But when you log this stuff in, in a really short amount of time, you get this incredible body of evidence of your own natural intuitive ability and the way that the universe is communicating with you. Um, and the encouragement and the profundity of that helps you to even move to the next level in becoming intuitive or recalling your intuitiveness. Uh, do you think meditating helps? Meditating is probably one of the simplest pathways there. And it's interesting that we talked about, like, how did my journey fit into what I do? I like for people to know that I don't meditate or practice yoga, not because I'm an advocate of not doing either, but when they know I don't do them, 
they know that there's infinite possible ways to get to the place of, you know, releasing the human lens. But if I had had that idea of meditating or practicing yoga to get there before I took the hard way, I would have opted in a long time ago and probably cut a few years off the learning curve. So I'm a, I'm a big advocate because I do have a lot of clients that successfully meditate or practice yoga to get into that space. Yeah, because of the yoga, it's a lot to do with the breathing. So Yes. So I'm going to ask, as far as your intuition goes, like uh, on a day-to-day basis, like world happenings that are happening, does, is it downloaded to you what's happening or what's going to happen without you asking? Does it just come in and you just see a picture all of a sudden? And, and um, For the most part, um, I used to have very specific information about things occurring before they occurred, uh, but now I'm, I'm so much more focused on helping as many people as possible to see their role in us evolving and to tap into the energy of changes that happen so that the energy is working for them instead of against them that I basically am seeing things more in, a, in the grand picture rather than the specifics. But when the specifics occur, I do probably 12 to 20 seminars a month. When the specifics occur, I'll always have people ask me, what does this mean? Why did this happen? And I can always bring through the answers, which I do on a regular basis. So I mean, when I help people explain how, when I help people understand and explain how things are happening or why they happen or how people intersect or so on and how it fits into the context of us evolving, no matter how harsh that event might seem in the moment, it gives people a context of hope and it gives them a context of comprehending how there are still so many, you know, hugely difficult pockets on earth right now where people are living in, you know, fear and hatred and so on. So I also uh, do a seminar. I started doing this a few years ago. I give a seminar in January every year. It's probably my most popular event where for three hours all I do is open up the conduit and give people an indication of what that upcoming year is going to be like. Um, And so I've done this three or four times now, and then they recorded and they put out a like a two-CD um, version of it. And it's so fascinating that in doing this for a few years, you can and you, you go back and you listen to any one of them, they're still jam-packed with accurate information. And when you hear it about what you can expect from the upcoming year, you get to be on the inside rather than the outside. And it's cool because then you're doing different things and you're taking certain steps to make sure that that energy is working for you. So, for example, last year, not 2014, but 2013 was a year where I was hearing a lot about let's clean stuff out. Clean stuff out physically, therefore you're making room for the good growth to come in physically, metaphorically, spiritually, and so on. And it's interesting because that did happen to turn out to be a massive clean-out year for the people that had attended the event. And I think even beyond that, in the Northeast, we had the Storm Sandy. 
And that meant that a lot of people lost a business or a home or their basement or a car. And so cleaning out and weeding out became a big part of the energy of that year. So I, I like to give people information about what can give them power for coming, coming up periods. Actually, this week, Thursday, I do a mid-year review. Um, every July, uh, we do a seminar on the beach, and I'll be doing that on Thursday in Southampton, New York. And I give them a mid-year review. Okay, here's what was said in January. Here's what they're saying now. So you get a little added energy and insight into different ways to think about and perceive the balance of 2014 so you can take advantage of it. Now, that you said they recorded on a DVD. Uh, is that can someone actually go onto your website and buy that? Yes, they they can buy the 2014, 13, and I think 12. I think they're all available on my website. And I and I, it's amazing to me because I'm I, I'm a conduit, so I never feel like I'm saying that I'm good at something. I'm a conduit, but the quality of the content is so rich that it's it's. Um, it's evergreen. It doesn't go out of fashion. You can listen to the 2012 CD, and it's still incredibly relevant because we're in a we're in a an incredibly um, evolutionary period right now. That we're in this period of time where enlightenment is accelerating, and there's so many ways I can show this to clients and to audiences. But the good news is that we're heading toward like a new evolution in enlightenment that I believe we'll see um, coming to a nice kind of peak by the year 2020. 2020, metaphorically, means clear vision. Um, and I think that there'll be a really big shift in the number of people who are living above the line energetically rather than living below the line energetically, so to speak. Well, I know uh, Taz and I... We, there's a theme that kind of comes through our shows, and the um, theme that's been popping up in the last since the beginning of the year is that the enlightenment is coming in faster and faster and faster. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. I, I, that's exactly it. I mean, I remember back from like seventh grade science, putting the little cart on the top of the ramp and measuring its speed at the top versus the bottom. Acceleration means you're gaining speed, and that's exactly what we're doing. We're heading down the ramp, and we're picking up speed as we go down. Now, you have several ways um, that you receive the information. I um, would like to let our audience um, hear the different ways that are that are there. Uh, you talk about Claire visually. Um, you talk about Claire audiently, uh, Claire sentiently, um, clairvoyantly. So, if you would just describe what those are, maybe some of our listeners have had certain experiences, and it would kind of open up the door for them to look a little further. Oh sure, definitely. I, this is the fun of it. You know, this is the this is the stuff where you really get to play around. You know, it's the tools. Um, I can see information. We all have uh, sort of like think of it as a movie screen in your own mind. 
And when you look at that movie screen, you can see things playing. If you're daydreaming, you're creating the images on that screen, okay? For me, the images are shown. So I get to basically see movies all the time. And when I, when I look at the movie, I can watch the movie as long as I choose to. So if I'm in a session and I'm looking at something from someone's past life or from a dream they've had or even from a work situation that they're in, involved in now, um, as long as the client has curiosity about what's going on in the movie, I'll be able to answer any questions. I'll keep the movie open. Um, the other way is that I can hear. Um, I can sometimes hear, and it takes quite a while of dedication, at least it did for me, to be able to discern the difference between my thoughts and the thought energy of a different soul. Um, the way I find is easy for people to find the difference in the voices is really by auto-writing. When you auto-write, which means you just clear your own mind and don't necessarily have an agenda in writing, either with a pencil and a paper or with the keyboard and a computer document, if you just let whatever pops into your head come through onto that piece of paper, after you disconnect, go back and read it hours later or the next day, and it's likely that something is going to come off that page that you don't feel you authored. It's either outside of your, your vocabulary or outside of something, concept that you had previously thought about. There may, they may have, there may be some kind of imagery or even a profound way of stating something that you had never even contemplated. But the key is separate yourself from it because even while you're writing, you might feel like you're creating it. When you separate from it, you can oftentimes see that there's been another voice in those words. And with enough practice, you can begin to let that voice come through you rather than need to um, be only listening to your own voice. Um, feelings I love because feelings are incredibly identifiable. I do have a lot of clients that can feel their interconnectedness with guides. Um, so it's powerful if you're feeling the chills or a sense of contentment washing across your chest or you feel someone touching your head or you feel a cool breeze on your face and you're in a still room. So to feel and experience that interconnectedness is, is very, very empowering for me and for a lot of people. Um, and there's also just the fact that signs bring a lot of validity. Um, something that is physical, that's connected to something you've been focusing on or questioning or worrying about, when you see those signs, it's very encouraging to know that you're not alone in your journey and that these pieces of evidence are put there for you to stumble upon so that you know that you're not alone and that you're, you are co-creating with non-physical sources. So those are a lot of the different ways that I connect. For some people, Keeping a dream log is incredibly helpful because the nice thing about dreaming is that you have quieted your mind. It's only your earthly consciousness that's going to be a filter to all of the good and wonderful and beautiful things that are possible. So when that goes to sleep, you can 
be a soul. You can go out there and roam. You can get solutions and ideas, and you can interact with, you know, past loved ones. So a dream log helps a lot as a way for people to connect as well. That's interesting. <clears throat> Let me just ask you a question. <laughs> um, I am um, clear visually in um, what in one one in one portion of what I do, but um, recently, and I've become uh, aware of it. It's like first it'll go into a tunnel, it'll open up into a TV screen, and then. But now it has changed to be like I live within that room. Yeah. Like there's no TV. What it, I, that's really strange. It's like I'm beating with the entire universe. That's yeah. really strange. Yeah. What, what, I, what happens a lot of times is when we're leaving behind the misbeliefs about our limited self, we're going to enter into the space of possibility through a means or through a way that is believable to us. So the steps might be that you walk through a tunnel and then you reach a TV, or there may be other steps that you take to get there. In the beginning, the visual that popped up for me was crossing a bridge all the time. And if I didn't cross that bridge, I couldn't get myself out of my way and connect with eternal. Um, so, But now I don't need that bridge, and I don't need to prepare myself. I'm just wherever um, a non-physical source wants to bring me. And that's what you're experiencing, is that you don't need the vehicle anymore. You just yeah. get to the space that you were heading. Yeah, that's, and that's rather fun. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it makes it even more limitless when you're in the room with that visual. You're limitless in what you can perceive and the knowledge that you can have, the knowingness of everyone that's in the room of that visual, what their thoughts are, what their past is, what their, what their future expectations are. It's, it's really magnificent. Mm, it is. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, can take what, we, we can take what we perceive to be a problem, uh, and bring it into that uh, oneness, that knowingness, and then uh, allow it to dissolve, so to speak. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I, I do a lot of dream work, so a lot of things come through my dreams. So. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's so yeah, funny. I... <laughs> yes, and I just uh, touched upon that. Yes. Yes. And... Uh, a friend of mine is a family counselor, and okay. she uses she uses dreams to uh, working with her people constantly. That's amazing. So, mm-hmm. And you can, when you really um, have exercised those muscles, you can also direct your dreams too, so that you can kind of get the solutions by um, charting the course for where the dream is going to go, make its discoveries. Yeah, that's fun. Well, we want to let everybody well, know about your way. Well, we've been talking about your uh, website this whole time, and we, I don't think we've said it. So for the listening audience, it's um, www.karengarvey.com. So uh, people yeah. can go to your website, and all this incredible information is there. And if somebody happens to be driving while they're listening to this, they can always go on the Taz and Paula show and uh, we have Karen's information up there, too. 
Well, I need to also say, I bet our, I, I just want to let our listeners know how thankful we are for having you on, um, because we certainly need to thank David Young. Yes. Who was who we just had on about a month ago for telling us about you and yes. your gift to to humanity. Yes. Um, you know, it's yes. it's been a joy and. I adore him. And, and if you are one who meditates and you love to meditate, I, there is, I have never come across any better music than David Young's music as meditative yeah. music. Um, he's just the, the most phenomenal musician I've ever met personally. I totally agree. You're going to be working with him in September, aren't you? Yes, I, I, was I will be. We're doing a weekend together in September um, in New York. Uh, it's called Getting, Getting It Right. Um, it's the weekend is designed to help people shift from the left brain to the right brain so they connect, connect more with their inner wisdom, with their guides, with their creative self, but also to experience, you know, to have some um, real evidence of the shift, of their own ability to, quote, unquote, get it right, to connect. Well. So- we just want to let you know we love the way you open doors for others. So Aww, that thank you. They can, well, they can step into their freedom. This is awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> I hope to meet both of you one day personally. That would be very fun. Thank you. I, I oh, totally agree. If you ever and, come uh, to the finding, West Coast, but please let us know. Oh, I will. Oh, uh, there's yeah. no doubt I will. I definitely will. Thank you. And we want everybody to yeah. know about your latest book, which is... Um, somebody that should have in their library and it begin now and you can actually begin. um buy the begin here. Actually begin here begin here i'm sorry <laughs> well it's begin, begin now here. before begin here yes exactly <laughs> begin now is her next begin now is her next book <laughs> yes i think it sounds like just do it <laughs> uh, Anyway, you can uh, you can uh, look on her website and you can buy her books and DVDs on the website. So, thank you. <laughs> Many blessings, Karen. Thank you for yeah. It was being really here really today. great to spend this time with you. I so much appreciate you, and then I also appreciate David Young for introducing me. But I I really appreciate this. It was a, it was a joy to be here with you. Great. Thank and you so thank much. You. Thank you, and have a great day. Bye bye. <laughs>